of first-person intel from inside the Westview anomaly. What are we looking at here? Is it an alternate reality, time travel? It's a sitcom. Starring two Avengers? It's a working theory. Well, I know the apron is a bit much, dear, but I am doing my best to blend in. sure what that's about it's probably just a case of the mondays am i right hey ladies and gentlemen welcome welcome to another very special episode of the televangelist podcast and if you are on the televangelist podcast feed i will post this on the ibn feed and the very very neglected televangelist uh, feed. <laughs> so I will try to get that in as always for WandaVision whose line is it anyway episode 6 I am joined by my partner, my co-host my uh, I don't know, who would you be in the show? Who would I be in the show? I, I would say maybe uh, Hayward Woo? or Jimmy Woo probably. Well, Hayward's kind of dark. Too. Maybe Jimmy Woo I guess yeah. I'm Monica, even though we can go. I'm secure in my manhood. Maybe I can be Monica. <laughs> I'm secure enough in my manhood or whatever. Or maybe I'm Wanda. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> you're kind of like a vision, really. You, you could be a vision. I see you as a vision, bit. though. Like good heart, a do-gooder. You know, plays it kind of straight. You, you could be vision. You could be vision. You know, other than I he's a robot. I just, uh, I'd hope I have a little more personality than that. But, well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's but he's kind of sneaky. <laughs> he's kind of sneaky. Like I always used to say, or I learned as I got older, listen to actors, that it's, kind of, it's really hard to play the straight man in these comedies. Like it doesn't seem like it's very hard, but it's very hard to play it straight. And then they're really the setup person, which I didn't realize until like I was in my 30s, that they really set everything up. And the guy, it's just like the face in wrestling, right? It's so much easier to be a heel than it is to be the, you know, the good yeah. guy or the straight guy. Exactly. So he's done a good job. I thought he did a really good job. Paul Bettany is his name. The actor that plays Vision does a good job. But let's let's break it down. If you guys aren't familiar, if you didn't listen to last podcast, what we do is we take a line or two or, or a succession of lines. Can't wait for that show to come back. But a succession of lines. <laughs> and we try to analyze them and what it means to the show at large. And right off the bat, the opening theme song, I got a couple of... I got a couple of lines here from the theme song. And of course, it was a brilliant Malcolm in the Middle. Love um, that. Satire. I never watched the show. But it's still, even though I didn't watch Malcolm in the Middle, like even a second of it, I don't think... It still had the late '90s, early 2000s feel to it. The shows and the camera work the were camera like camera cuts. Yeah, yeah, all the shows had the, that the kind of silly stuff. writing. On yeah, the Nickelodeon shows that mm-hmm. I, uh, I was a teacher or after school coordinator, and the shows we would put on or the the movies we'd watch. It just had that feeling to it. So it says, "Don't try to fight the chaos. Don't question what you've done. But if it's all illusion." And this is separate, but if it's all illusion, sit back and enjoy the show. 
I when I heard that, and I, I didn't notice it, and I, I've gotten better with this show that you have to listen to everything, you know, you, even the opening songs because it gives you hints. And it, this just gives me more and more. It's twofold. One is obviously she's controlling everybody, so you know it plays on that. But the other thing is, and it's going to be something I'm sure we're going to discuss in detail today. Is somebody controlling Wanda, or at least manipulating her? Because it's really starting to feel like that. And I think that was a little hint or nod to that right there off the bat. Yeah, I thought is that. Uh... I think it's the chaos magic that's obviously in the comic book. She she has chaos magic. Don't question what you've done. It's kind of like Wanda doesn't really question it. People bring it up to Wanda. And maybe that's kind of a, a vehicle of the show. But in the way that this show talks to the camera, in the way this kind of this show winks to the audience, at some point Wanda could say, hey, why do I do this? She only says, why did I do this? When she's asked... By a male character in one case it's vision i believe it was uh two weeks ago and this episode is pietro who says hey how did this happen so she doesn't really question it and enjoy the show obviously that's a meta reference to the show itself and the show within a show um (laughs) that wandavision is inside of the show uh the next one is or do you want to, we can see whatever you're comfortable so, with. You yeah, want to go so back and forth or do you want me to just read them out? Okay, I'll go. All right, uh, go ahead. This is Pietro to her uh, sister. He goes, when he's asking her what's going on, which you just referenced, he says, hey, I'm not a stranger. I'm not your husband. You can talk to me. And then Wanda responds with, I don't know how I did it. I only remember feeling completely alone, empty. I just, endless nothing was. And immediately what I think of is how many people have said that they don't remember anything before this? Because, you know, obviously we had Vision, you know, say the same thing, that that he didn't remember anything before this. And for Wanda to be saying that, and of course the, you know, the nothingness, feeling empty, which we discussed last week, all the stuff she's been through, it, I think it's setting up uh, to just... To, to, to somebody's controlling her. Yeah, I think they are alluding to somebody definitely trying to control her. I think, I almost feel like that might be a cop-out, but maybe someone gave her just a vehicle to do it. I mean, if someone's controlling her, but at the same time, she has this incredible power and we're kind of ahead of ourselves. But at the end, she stops everybody in time, like Professor Xavier, and expands it. She expands the whole entire hex thing. Um, so it's it, it's how so just jumping into that, how much control do you think she has over everything? So obviously she has control over everything in the sense that she's controlling it. Because I mean Immediately when her sons realize, you know, that Vision's in trouble, they let her know, she just freezes everything immediately and starts to expand the hex. But again, it just feels like somebody is manipulating her because even she's confused about her powers, what's going on, how things got to where they are. I mean, she obviously has said several times that she doesn't, you know, know how all this started and that just makes me feel like that 
yes, she's in control, but she's obviously got to be in control with either someone manipulating or maybe someone helping her because it just, there's something missing from this and we can't figure it out. And each week I go back and forth. Yeah, that, that that's I'm still trying to figure out how much that's one of the biggest questions I have that I'm not very sure of um is how she how much control of it she has and if something came up to her and like Mephisto, but if something and there's a new person that we'll talk about this week, but if something came up to her and offered her this deal and this ability, then she just took it and ran with it. Um so we don't know how much uh another comment next one we have pietro very early and they're basically talking about going trick-or-treating and having this old lady give them fish but he says you have suppressed a lot of the trauma and i think that blends into what we were just saying in that she doesn't know she repeatedly says i don't know how it happens this time again we'll talk about later that she was just in a really dark place and she was just in, in washed with grief. And I think the holes in what we don't know are because Wanda hasn't shown us because she suppressed it because it's trauma, dramatic to her. I, I agree. I, I will say that I'm starting to think, and we can kind of start to get in this theory and I'll, I'll thrush it out as we go, that Agnes is definitely involved in... Uh, whatever has happened since uh, Endgame ended because if you think about it the last scene that we had in that with her was her discussing you know I just hope that Vision and uh, you know Black Widow you know know that they won and I, I so she seemed like she was getting in a good place because she actually says they do and then fast forward we know it's not been that many weeks we know that she broke in Soul Vision's body, created this whole environment, and I almost wonder if, and I think it's going to be Agnes, she didn't, like Agnes came into her life somehow, tried to help her get over the stress, trauma, anger, because we list all the things she's been through, and that's why she is doing this, and I do think she's in control to an extent, but she's being manipulated and that's why some parts she doesn't remember or can't, you know, figure out like how I got here, remember what's going on, etc. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's just and so much is so funny, uh not funny, haha, that this show is putting a happy face on trauma. And it really mm-hmm. is one person's if you really look at it on a deeper level, is one person's denial in the superpower world of trauma and grief. And somebody who's been going through trauma and grief her entire life. This isn't, you know, I mean, she's obviously had a really rough couple of years, but, I mean, her upbringing was awful as well. So, I mean, she's really kind of a tragic character. The uh, next line is Vision. And this, again, just kind of talks about how she changes each day. There were no clothes in my closet, you see. When he came downstairs in his outfit, they were giving him crap about, you know, his Halloween costume. And this is just, I think, a reminder that she is changing the reality every day. Uh, and, you know, it, it. we get a little bit of that in the sense that, remember last week, Vision was talking about where are all the kids. We got an answer for that this week. So she is constantly evolving day to day 
the environment with those and the items around her. I think from my perspective, it's the tug and the, the tug of war and the push and pull. She, in my estimation, I think again, she's given vision as much autonomy as she can. It has been probably two, three, four episodes since she rewound him. That was something in the Ooh. first couple of episodes she did. Like every episode, she would rewind That's a something. Very good point. And Agnes doesn't even say it, what, two episodes ago? Or Agnes doesn't even, says take it from the top, and she doesn't even want to do it. So the more Vision finds out, the less she wants to control him and manipulate him, and she wants their love to be real and what's, what's going on to be real. Um, so I think it's that and he jokes about it and he he plays it as a joke and she's like no i really didn't do that she plays it he he plays it as a joke and i just think it's that tug of war between the two of them between vision finding out the truth and her not wanting him to find out the truth but at the same time still wanting to keep him in the world and the kids even pointed out to that in the opening saying you know mom and dad have not been getting along as you know well as of late yeah now Pietro says I got the old XY chromosome as Vision is making excuse more tension to get out and do his neighborhood watch I say that in air quotes but and Pietro steps in says I got the old XY chromosome basically I'm a good father figure as a stand in for the night because I'm Uncle P yeah and I just wondered if this was just again if, if you're there's a lot of things that happen in this episode that you can make the argument that Pietro is a spy for somebody on the outside. And this, if that is your argument, this is kind of the beginning of that case because this gets him one-on-one with Wanda for the evening and then he starts questioning. That's not actually where I think it's going, but I have seen that theory out there. And this was kind of his way to get one-on-one time with him and to get Vision, obviously, to go off and do his thing. Now, if you are an X-Men fan, I think there were a couple moments, this being probably the most obvious one, where you could take that. It's so funny. I remember doing this for True Detective. That's the last show that I tried to, well, maybe Fargo season two, but I think True Detective, this is the last, that's the last show that I tried to read the tea leaves. And maybe maybe Game of Thrones, but in a different way. But I tried to read the tea leaves of all the clues that were going on. And sometimes... These things were simply coincidences, mm-hmm. and we just went with them and ran with them. And because you, if you want to see, you know, if you if you said today I'm going to look for the color green, you're going to see more green than you ever did. So I think that, but you know, X Y chromosome just seems like a nod to the X Men, and so many people think that the X Men will come through this show into the Marvel universe. So. We begin to see the argument or war between Hayward and Monica, the split that has been ongoing. When Hayward, talking about the situation, goes, if we take her out, this whole nightmare ends. And again, this is both, I think, no matter what you say, this is true. Uh, And I hope he doesn't, you know, he means obviously by take her out, it sounds like he's not worried about killing her. But they have to stop Wanda in order to end this, you know, the hex, the issue going on. And the bigger thing, obviously, is again that word nightmare, which there is a character, a villain in the comics, and that word nightmare continues to kind of pop up. Yep. And that leads to a lot of theory. 
Yep, and it leads to a lot of theories about him being the bat, and especially if you think about what this is. Uh, you know, nightmare for those that don't know in the comics. He is a uh, villain that he gets you in his in your dreams, which is obviously where, or I guess your nightmare, where you're most vulnerable. But he wants to actually come into reality and also, you know, cause the same havoc that he does there in your nightmares. And again, it's what uh, RC was just saying. It could be that. They're just kind of psyching people out. I've heard that they know, you know, that we're looking into this and, and you know, trying, and they're, they're definitely giving us some red herrings and some zigzags. But it is interesting they use this a couple of times with what that villain does, and he hadn't been introduced. All right. Our next line is Monica from Monica. She says, if Wanda is the problem, she has to be our solution. Now, there's a couple things about Monica, the character, I don't really like. I don't dislike her, but I do think that her her connection to Wanda is a little manufactured. And I guess in some superhero shows, it's like that anyway. But I don't think just because she lost her mom, she's got this great grief connection to, to Wanda. I think her mom had cancer, so it's like a normal death. It's not some traumatic thing that they both have faced, that they both can... So I think that's a little weak, but... I also do think that it's definitely, definitely, definitely heading to some kind of confrontation where Monica probably saves the day in the end by reaching one. I mean, the only thing I will say is potentially maybe Monica, just because of you know her relationship with Captain Marvel, which we don't know exactly where that stands right this second, but she just probably is more pro-superhero than most people in the world because she actually knows one and especially at the age that she was and I do wonder if that plays a role in why she is so sympathetic uh, to Wanda Vision you know in this show is that she actually has known some superheroes and knows you know they're typically out to do good the uh Continuing with the some of the wording that just maybe giving you hints at, at the villain that's coming. Pietro uh, speaking about his kids or the, excuse me his nephews when they want to go trick or treating. He says unleash hell demon spawn, which we have discussed uh, about uh, Mephisto uh, on the last episode. Do you think this is just foreshadowing, or do you think again they're just kind of messing with us by using as many terms as they can? Uh, that would lead to the devil, which is who Mephisto basically is in uh, Marvel. So I was doing some research and because uh, of a story I'm writing, and I went back and looked at True Detective, uh, some of the stuff on YouTube, some of the videos that people make about it. And I did remember that in the end, True Detective, I'm referencing it again, that they didn't pay off all the symbolism and all the Easter eggs. They were just there for ambiance. And the more I'm researching this show... I think a lot of this stuff, and, I, and that is not going to say it's not going to be good, but a lot of this stuff, and it's Marvel, they're going to take the simplest path, and a lot. I, I'm on record now, my prediction, hopefully I'm wrong, I think it'd be badass, but Mephisto, I don't think Mephisto is going to appear, and uh, Elizabeth Olsen says there's no true bad guy, I don't think he's going to appear, I think all of this stuff is just Easter eggs for, it's like, okay, so when you talk about a cartoon, and you don't have kids yet, but you still, you know, you're a coach, but you'll see it more. They'll put little stuff in the cartoons for the adults, little Easter eggs for the adults. And I think for the hardcore Marvel um, watchers, these Easter eggs are here for us to be like, oh, that's cool. But, and for the average fan, maybe they don't catch it. 
but I'm not sure it means that we're going to get everything from the comics. you have anything to add on that? No, I think that that's a very reasonable explanation. And I have, I'm, I'm leaning towards Agnes being kind of, yeah, if anything. whether you want to call it the bad guy or whatever, the person that is controlling from some of the things that happened in this episode. Now that one I think is, and that's a good lead in to this next line, but I think Agnes is definitely more of a conduit, conduit than these people that we have not seen. So she says, in the, probably the biggest scene of the show, and probably the one I've been looking most forward to in you from the trailers you said last week too, she's, uh, Vision stops her when he's on the edge of town, a little past Ellis uh, Street or Avenue, whatever it was. Agnes says, you're one of the Avengers. You're Vision. Are you here to help us? Still in like a, in like a neighbor trance. Or maybe not in a neighbor trance, actually. <laughs> she says, um, he says, I am Vision. I do want to help. But what's an Avenger? Agnes says, what? Why don't you know? And she says, am I dead? No, no. Vision says, why would you think that? Because you are. And he says, because I'm what? And she says, dead, dead, dead. She repeats it over and over again. This was the most powerful scene uh, in this episode, maybe of the show so far, because I just... It was just, it was so crushing to hear, you know, Vision go, no, why would you think that after she said, I am dead? Because he's so, you know, serious and just concerned as, as he continues to show that he's, he's willing to give his life again to help the people inside just a little bit later in the episode. But I, I think this is Agnes is playing him. Uh, you know, it just, to me, it feels like that maybe she's the one somehow manipulating Wanda because there's just too many things that connect her to it. The fact that she's the only one that have seen the twins, the fact that she's always around. You notice even something small like she was in the opening credits, uh, you know, with the kids. It, it, it just, to me, it feels like she is being set up to be the, you know, the bad person, the villain, whatever you want to say. And I think she knew what Vision was going to do by reacting like that. And I'm starting to get the feeling that she wants to get rid of Vision almost just as much as Hayward wants Vision out of there so they can continue to experiment, which we, we definitely know at this point. Because this is now the second or third time she has kind of tried to drive a wedge in between the two of them and I, I think she was playing the game. And it, it was so well acted uh, by Catherine Hahn, too. What I thought was interesting about that before we move to the next one was that, and Vision's like that. She says, I'm lost. He's like, in the town you grew up in? And <laughs> for some reason, she's lost, right? Then he touches her, and she goes back to being or whatever, the regular Agnes neighbor. And... Uh, and... um. After she get, he touches her back to go to see if she's going to be the neighbor again, she knows where she's going all of a sudden. How do you do that? If, if you're, if you're um, supposed to be lost, how did you suddenly not be lost, you know? And then everybody else in the outskirts is, is like a robot kind of and just kind of stationary, yep. but she can just drive around, do whatever the hell she wants. That, that was the other big telltale that I meant to mention is you got to remember that, and, and that's something too that we have seen that has been confirmed in this episode is that the closer you are to Wanda, 
the more control she has over, the more lively you are. The further you get out on the outskirts, I mean, you're almost, you know, like an animation just frozen because she just, she's not really using you. So you just say, and that's where you got the, you know, the still, the woman putting up Halloween directions with the tear going down her eye, which shows that she's obviously aware of what's going on, but she literally can't move. And also we had the call back this week where, you know, he asked about the kids and because it's a special episode with Halloween, they're all inside. And uh, I definitely do want to, you know, that was something that I, I don't know. We don't have this on the list, but I, I want to ask you. He brings up that where did you have the kids? Do you think, like, what is, she didn't really answer. Do you think they were in their beds? Where, where do you think they were? Just out on the outskirts? Where did all the kids I come from? I have no clue. Like, I'm going to take it and say that the show was trying to give us that, that she just had them asleep. But there's a lot of ethical concerns that I'll, exactly. I'll save our time. But there's a lot of ethical concerns. Like, what do these people do when they have to take a shit? And she's got them frozen. And they got to piss. Or what, you know, they, they need to, and one person said they had to take their medicine, one of his coworkers. Like, there's a lot of ethical stuff that if you dig deep, Wanda's not that great. But let's go, let's move to the next one. You got it. So uh, we already went over the, the Wanda and the, the, the endless nothing. Uh, Monica talking about that she's going to meet her guy over the ridge. This is something we've now talked about for two weeks. It, it's probably the biggest theory going right now is all the names from, you know, uh, Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four to uh, Miss Marvel to... Ironheart. I mean, there's all kinds. I kind of have a feeling people are going to be disappointed in this, and I think it's going to be somebody that we already know from like Sword, Shield, etc. That we've already seen in this world. What is your kind of thought on this? Um, I think I don't know. I think it's I don't know. Everybody's got so so um so much invested in this and I honestly don't know I, I think it's not gonna be what people think it is I don't think we're gonna get anything bigger than a Doctor Strange cameo but I just don't think it's gonna be what people think it is and it's probably gonna happen in this next episode because I think for the trailer for episode 7 we see her driving the vehicle through the hex and obviously we know that that's what the person is coming to help her do is to fit her with something to get in there and it, and it would be really awesome there's a guy there's another black guy I forgot his name is it something about Marvel there's a black guy and he has like a blue suit oh that, Blue Marvel Blue Marvel yeah there we go that they've been talking about that but would that hit like I'm a con hardcore comics person and I have never heard of him. So I don't know if that would be it or what. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of interesting that these things are taking a life of its own. And then like, do the people, when they say things, do they mean what we think they mean when we say, when they say it? Like, do they really, when they say Luke Skywalker moment, does she really realize what she's saying that? Um, that's, that's what I can't figure out. I mean, it, it, it's just like with the scene where she ends up blasting, uh, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to actually talk about that in just a second. So I'm going to leave that alone. No, go ahead. Go over with it. We can roll with it. Okay. I was just going to say, you know, when Pietro is, you know, hey, I'm not some, or excuse me, 
Well, actually, we don't have it on here. When he, you know, what are you doing? You can't, you know, kill a guy or somebody can't die twice. And she blasts him. And again, some people think that, well, you know, she's controlling, obviously, Vision uh, and Pietro because they're both dead. And that's been proven, you know, by the fact that she stares at him. And we've seen Vision, you know, show up with his face exactly like it was when he had the stone ripped out from Adam. And we've seen Pietro now that she had the jump scare where he's got the bullets in his chest. And so that would make you think that she is controlling them. We know that she can take matter inside the hex and control it and manipulate it. And so just because they're dead on the outside, she can make them live on the inside. But then it also makes me question with something like that. Like, why would she have Pietro say that to her? You know, if she's controlling and manipulating them, and it, it does make me wonder, like, that's where I get confused of how much is it Wanda controlling these people? And then how much is it something else? Because, I mean, Vision is trying to literally fight his way out to help people knowing he's going to die. Pietro is talking back to her when it just, it's hard to kind of get a good feel on that. All right, we're doing a good job of doing audibles. I think the next one that I was going to do, we're talking about where he says that it's another nightmare reference and uh, the Quicksilver talks about her shooting wiggly woos from her hands. Let's skip that because we already talked about how she did that. Audible's on the fly here to give y'all the best podcast. And I'll do this one. Pietro, hey, I'm not some kind of... Well, we did that one too. So yeah, Yeah, we've been covering. We kind of go into detail. So see, it's kind of hard to see which ones are repeats. Uh, this one, uh, Darcy's talking to Monica. You can't do that. You can't go back in the hex. You've gone through the boundary twice. It's rewritten your cells twice. You're you're changing on a molecular level. This is the one thing that I definitely got right from the week before was that they are calling an audible, at least that we know, of on Monica how she's going to get her powers. Uh, it's definitely happened this way. They, they basically all but said it there. Now, the bigger question moving forward, and for me and you who are big Darcy fans, is it going to be everybody that goes in and out of the hex, or is it just something to do with Monica and the way her DNA and body reacted to it? Because if you think about it, Darcy has gone through now once, obviously. You would assume if she gets rescued... Uh, before everything ends and gets out, she's going to go through twice. Is she going to be, you know, also somebody that has mutant abilities? This basically, it seems like how they're going to start the X-Men characters. My other question is, is it something that's going to be everybody inside of the Hex has mutant powers? Because we know it's expanding, which is making it possible to be more people. Or is it going to be just certain people? But it's definitely playing a role. And I, I think it's a very smart way for them to create the X-Men because otherwise the question would be, well, where were these people? You know, we had all these superheroes, all these villains, but we've seen with the exception, obviously of Pietro and Wanda, no other X-Men. And if, you know, it'd be kind of hard to explain. They were always there, but they just weren't out and about. I mean, you know, Magneto doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's just going to lay <laughs> fade to the background. It, but exactly. the thing about that is how do you tell all these stories that these characters have these histories 
It's of Magneto and Wolverine. That's why I don't think the X-Men come from this because how do you tell these stories? How do you tell the story of Magneto and the Holocaust, Wolverine living for hundreds of years? How do you tell all of that and then have Wanda create them? It, it, I don't know about making brand new Wolverine. It sounds a lot like new Coke. But, uh, right. you know, Wolverine <laughs> without his history is just kind of weird. So I don't know. They, I, they've obviously got a plan. I don't know what the hell it is. It's hard to figure out. But it's it's very, very fun trying to speculate about it, you know? Oh, it's it's awesome. And, I mean, whether it be, you know, alternate, uh, you know, universes, whether it be, you know, from something calls. I mean, they've even, you know, heard some people theorize that there's a very, you know, one of the comics that this is kind of based off of, she says no more mutants and there are no more mutants. Some people believe she's going to, you know, do the opposite and reverse and say mutants. And then that's going to create mutants. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. Moving on to, uh, another thing that I'm very interested in, which is, uh, this is Hayward saying, I know about your history with Captain Marvel. This is talking to Monica. I have a feeling, or it just seems like, that they're hinting at that there is some beef between Monica and Captain Marvel. Because we remember how she left in the Captain she got Marvel really, movie. I mean, and she got really Monica, quiet a couple weeks ago when they brought her yeah, up. She got really quiet. Time. Yep. And remember that she was the one that literally picked up Captain Marvel's outfit. Captain Marvel left her her jacket. They obviously had a very close relationship. This could be as simple as she's just disappointed and upset that Captain Marvel has not been back. Because from all we know, Captain Marvel has only been back basically for the things that happened uh, in Endgame. And I don't think she went to go see Monica, obviously. Or there could be something that happened in the time before Infinity War and Endgame and the you know things of Captain Marvel movie. And that's something, but there's definitely some kind of beef, hard feelings, whatever you want to call it between these two characters. And the fact that Monica is going to have similar powers to Captain Marvel, to me, is what makes it so interesting. Because it's not like it's going to just be a human and Captain Marvel. She's also going to be a bad man pajama by the time you know they have their next meeting. That's true too. Yeah, and obviously for people that don't know, she is a Monica Rambo turns into a superhero in the comics under Photon. She's actually Captain Marvel for a while. There's another name too. She's not as strong as Captain Marvel, but she's very, very strong as well. Uh, leading us into the next one, Darcy, who at least has my favorite lines in the show. And I saw Cat Dennings on uh, Ellen today because I didn't have to work. Woo! Chef's kiss. I love me some cat Dennings. Woo, woo, woo. Do you think that they're going to go with the two broke girls outfit next week? No, that's a good question. The They've got to do something with time. the waitress, man. They've got to do that's something. I would just think. I don't know. If, I don't know if you could build a whole scene around somebody going. They haven't gone to any restaurants yet. That's they haven't really thinking. gone out about the town. Like it's all like a home. And then they went out and had this thing in the center of the city, but they haven't shown like the commerce of Westview, you know, it was just a town carnival. Everything's town related, the neighbors and everything, but it would be interesting if they could figure that out. Or maybe she just got out some kind of nod. They'll slip in something verbal, if nothing else. I mean, it's starting to fit the time period, 
But right. uh, this next line, Darcy says, Heywood, you sneaky bastard. She's hacked into his computer. A little too easy, but it is Marvel. And she reads or downloads something called the Cataracts Project. So we know cataracts kind of go over your eyes when you're old. They, they hinder your sight. Affects your vision. Yeah, I mean, it affects I mean, your vision. Yeah, exactly. 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 So I think the obvious yeah. nod here is that uh, vision is being affected and reconnoitered to do what he or his plan is to do that so vision could be a weapon and that's what Hayward is really all about so i think that's what that line was all about oh yeah he all he i mean he has proven by the actions at the end of that episode that all he really wants and i think it's his main concern with all of this is he wants his his experiment back because you know they were doing stuff to vision trying to create weapons they even said uh, when he gave Monica the tour of the facilities that, you know, they're trying to basically create weapons and stuff to, to fight extraterrestrials. And, I mean, Vision is probably one of the best, uh, you know, potential weapons that has fallen into their hands. And that's his main concern right now, for sure. Uh, Billy, uh, one of the two kids, I hear Dad in my head. He's in trouble. Why couldn't Wanda hear Vision? I can't figure this out. So, A, I think that, first question I want to ask you, do you think that the two kids, because she was very nervous about them leaving the hex, right? That was like the one rule, right, when they went trick-or-treating. It sounds like she's concerned that what happened to Vision is what would happen to the kids if they got outside the hex. Do you think that's the case? I think she's concerned, but I don't think, I think the show went through great pains with uh, the characters explaining what's going on, and they've been right so far, so I'm trusting that. Monica says... The kids are Monica's. Like, she created them. They're, they're real. She created them within mm-hmm. the world. She really had them, however that works with her magic. So I, do, I don't think that they would be hurt by it. It's two, it's two parts. If they got out, that they could be captured. Or, so that's the normal danger that any parent would feel. That's especially fair. a parent. Yeah. Like you say, if you're a parent, you say, don't go out the yard. Because you know, in your yard, there's a certain parameter of what to expect but if you let your kids go down the street you might not know that so i think it's very it's very similar with her her yard is the whole Westview, right so i think it's that uh more so than her worried about them disappearing whole uh, new on the uh, other... meeting to stranger danger right yeah and yeah and basically a... nuclear weapons getting outside i'm sure people would be interested in taking them and on the other end of things i had a question with this one is why can't Wanda hear Vision? If she's all-powerful, why is it that Billy heard Dad and she didn't? The only thing I can think is the fact that, you know, on the outskirts, it's sort of a dead zone. We saw how the characters are barely moving, and I think that Wanda is just losing control. And so she's focusing on that main point, you know, the center that they kind of discussed in the episode and I think similar to the, you know, unfortunately the people that are on the outskirts of town just kind of being stuck in a loop, stuck together, maybe her powers are not as strong out that way. I mean, that's the only thing I can kind of think. And so what I'm going to do, because I want to make these shorter, and we're at about 48 minutes, so I want to take it under hours. So we're going to skip the commercial. I want to talk about commercials, but we're going to skip it. We're going to kill our babies, Keith. We're we're being economic. <laughs> we're being economic. We're cutting, cutting, Got cutting. It. Cutting. They say kill your babies when they talk about writing. They talk about kill your babies. So we're talking about the commercials. But if you want to make a post in the entertainment group, you can do that. And uh, or maybe we will. Maybe we'll bring it up in in the group and put the podcast link in there. Something like the extras that we need to talk about. So 
Absolutely. We got one last thing. Shouldn't take us more than five minutes. Uh, I'll set you up for it. But I, I noticed it too. I didn't know how to do it. You put in the notes, not a quote, but worth mentioning, which is a great way to put it. The movies, they've had a couple weeks where the movies were playing. The movies at the movie theater in the background when Quicksilver and the kids and uh, Wanda were walking away down the street. It was Parent, Parent Trap, which I believe was 1997-98. And this is all kind of the end of the 90s, the beginning of the 2000s. Some people are trying to look at it as strictly a decade, but it never really was like that. There was little, yeah. there was little uh, kind of 50s and 60s at the same time. Because decades aren't pure anyway. There's a lot of like what happens in the 80s, the early 90s have that. And what happens in the late 90s, 2000s have that. But anyway, it was Parent Trap and The Incredibles. What's your take on why they did that? I just love the little things that this show does. And I mean, when you first look at those, I was kind of confused. I'm like, first I was thinking, like everyone does, well, does this fall into the years? And it's like, Keith, don't worry about that. It does. But the main thing is, obviously, Incredibles is a family of superheroes. So we have a family of superheroes. Four superheroes. Exactly. Fantastic Four, possibly. The parent trap, though, is what, to me, was really interesting. Because you can look at it several different ways. You can look at it that Wanda and Vision are literally trapped in there. Because if Vision goes outside, he dies. We learned that in this episode. You could also be looking at that these are actually the people inside the hex are the ones that are trapped to the parents of Wanda and Vision. So both of them have a lot to do with what is going on, uh, you know, in this TV show. I'm going to get real deep for you here. This goes back to the days where I used to do deep analysis of the Bible all the way down to the Greek. I'm hyping myself up a little bit, but I'm joking on myself. But (laughs) the parent trap could also be this trap that started with Wanda's parents, this cycle of grief and trauma that they've all experienced that they keep passing down to their children unintentionally. And Wanda, through what she's doing... And the fact that just the life that she led, Vision died. But through what she's doing and bringing them into this world, that's a part of the pan trap too. And then they'll pass on the trauma to their kids too. So in, in a very wow. deep, sick way, I think they're all we're all trapped by the life that our parents give us intentionally un- or unintentionally. We're 51 minutes, so I'm proud of myself. I wanted it to be 45, but that's not bad. I'm still trying to stream Well, with it. me, There's that's so- 45. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Is I like to talk, too. Podcast, it's not just so. you. I like to talk, too. <laughs> but, I mean, I could do a whole 50-minute-hour podcast by myself. But uh, do you have anything you want to plug, talk about what we're doing, what you're doing uh, this week uh, in general? Yeah, just uh, to follow the Ivy Sports Podcast Network, I'm going to have two podcasts this week. Me and Alan are finally getting back for the Backdoor Cover. That's a weekly gambling podcast. We both gave Daniel Berger, who won the PGA Tour event uh, last week. We're going to be previewing the Genesis. We've done very well in golf in the past. We're also going to talk NBA futures. Uh, And then we will be doing a Team Turnbuckle podcast later in this week where Obviously, we will break down the NXT pay-per-view last night and then do our normal wrestling superlatives across AEW, SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. Uh, Also, I just want to remind everybody to rate and subscribe subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, put it on all your social media channels as much as you can. I need to put that in the beginning, too. But for Keith Fleming, this is R.C. Carlton. Have a great day and enjoy WandaVision. We only got a couple more episodes left.